Please be aware the stories, theories, reenactments, and language in this podcast are of an adult nature and can be considered disturbing, frightening, and in some cases even offensive. Listener discretion is therefore advised. Welcome, heathens! Welcome to the world of the weird and unexplained. I am your host, Nicole Delacroix, and together we will be investigating stories about things that go bump in the night. Monsters lurking under your bed or deep in the forest, that unknown creature lurking just out of sight, and frighteningly imagined creatures, ghosts, supernatural beings, and even some unsolved mysteries. So, sit back, grab your favorite drink, and prepare to be transported to today's Dark Enigma. And on today's Dark Enigma, we've got murder, mayhem, and mystery. But first, I want to thank you guys for all the lovely birthday wishes. You guys are so sweet, and I love you for showing me so much love last week. So, mwah, I love you. All right, with that said, we will still be playing our drinking game. And as you know, the drinking game is only for those of us that are at home and have nowhere else to go tonight. The choice of libation, my darlings, is always yours. So, choose your poison accordingly. All right, now for the game part. How about every time I say murder? I know I'm not going to say it like that every time because that's kind of stupid. That's going to be a single shot. And every time I say Oklahoma and be thankful that I'm not going to sing the song, <laughs> that's going to be a double shot. All right. Now that we got the business end out of the way, we can jump headfirst into today's dark enigma. All right. Put on your sleuthing hats, my Sherlock's Holmes's. There's one too many S's in that, I think. Okay, you know what I meant. We are diving into the bizarre case of the Jameson family murder mystery. I feel like there should be a song to that. The murder mystery tour, something like that. I don't know. Anyways, I'm kind of stupid today. I'm sorry. Anyways, history is rife with unsolved murders and mysterious deaths with secrets that continue to elude us to this day. In some cases, these may seem straightforward enough, cases of clear murder or foul play, even if the perpetrators evade us. Yet, in other cases, things seem to spiral out beyond mere unsolved crimes to become a bizarre web of oddities and puzzles, even stepping out beyond the confines of our reality as we know it. One such case comes to us courtesy from the state of Oklahoma, where an entire family disappeared only for their bodies to be found years later under mysterious circumstances that would quickly become firmly mired in the world of the weird. It's a case which starts strange and, well, never lets up, taking a trip straight down the dark road into the unknown. From mysterious vanishings to haunted houses to the sinister world of the occult and the paranormal, the case of the Jameson family deaths is one of those truly bizarre cases in which the more we know about it, the less we understand. And it remains 
one of the most bizarre unsolved crimes in all of U.S. history. So let's jump in. The Jameson family was from Eufaula, Oklahoma, consisted of the father, Bobby Dale Jameson, age 44, mother, Sherilyn Leanne Jameson, age 40, and their six-year-old daughter, Madison Stormy Star Jameson. That's a bomb name. I'm just saying it. The family had plans to buy a 40-acre plot of land near Red Oak, Oklahoma, in the secluded Sambal Mountains, only around 30 miles from their lakefront Eufaula home. The family had dreams to relocate to the wilderness and lead a peaceful life away from civilization, and as they made preparations to buy the land, it looked like their dreams were starting to come true. But then tragedy would strike, and we take our first steps into the weird. The case would start, oddly enough, on October 8, 2009, the Jameson family loaded up their truck and set out into the mountains to go finalize the purchase of land. They were never seen alive again. For eight days, there was no word from the Jameson family, and their friends and family began to worry. It seemed as if they had just vanished, and hundreds of volunteers, along with dozens of law enforcement officers, scoured the area for any sign of them. Their truck was then found abandoned and locked by the side of the road. Inside the truck were the family's small dog, which was nearly dead from starvation, their wallets, cell phones and IDs, a GPS system, and $32,000 in cash. I'm just going to say, the dog, nearly dead from starvation, is where I started crying. Sorry. I'm a dog person. I love them. Anyways. Sensing something was awry, Latimer County Sheriff Israel Beauchamp immediately launched a massive search for the family, which included drones, tracker dogs, and hundreds of police and volunteers, some on horseback, all of which turned up absolutely nothing at all. No evidence. That's it. Nothing. It was as if the family had simply stepped off the face of the earth. Police suspected some sort of foul play, but there just wasn't any information to go on. And over the next eight months, there would be one of the most extensive manhunts in Oklahoma history, leading to the tracking down of numerous leads and interviews of scores of potential suspects, all of which turned up, you guessed it, absolutely nothing. It wouldn't be until four years later when the family would at last be found, although in a state far from the living. In November of 2013, deer hunters came across the skeletal remains of two adults and a child, which were laying side by side, face down in the dirt, in a rugged, isolated area 2.7 miles from where the abandoned truck had been found. The remains would later be positively identified through anthropological and forensic pathological testing as those of the Jameson family, 
although they were so badly decomposed that a cause of death could not be ascertained. Already very strange, considering that the manhunt had failed to uncover the family so close to the vehicle, the finding of the bodies led to all sorts of initial speculation. In addition to the theories that they had gotten lost in the wilderness or died of hypothermia, one of the very first ideas was that, considering the large amount of cash found in their vehicle, that they had been part of a drug deal gone bad. This is somewhat supported by the fact that in the days leading up to the family's fateful trek out into the wilderness, neighbors say that both Bobby and Sherilyn Jameson had been acting strangely and looked shockingly gaunt and emaciated. This led to speculation they could have been using drugs heavily, specifically crystal meth, a drug which just so happens seems to be flourishing in the mountainous area where the family had disappeared, with meth labs apparently all over the place. And by the way, if you're from Oklahoma, don't send me an email talking about how great Oklahoma is. You know what? Meth labs are all over the damn country, not just in Oklahoma. So I'm not picking on you. I'm just saying there's meth labs. Deal with it. Anyways, additionally, video footage taken of the couple on the security cam they had outside of their house from the day of their final departure seems to depict them in a sort of trance-like state or daze and not speaking to each other as they silently, robotically make dozens of trips back and forth from the house to the truck, packing for their trip, perhaps indicating that they were strung out on something. Okay, I'm just going to point out anybody who is ever packed for a trip into the mountains, camping or just a day trip, I'm just going to say it depends on how early in the morning it is, right? However, the truck and additional searches of the house turned up no evidence of drug use, and friends and family insisted they had been clean, albeit in financial dire straits. It is thought that even if the family wasn't directly involved in a botched de drug deal, then they might have stumbled across one of the many secret meth labs in the remote mountainous region and upset the proprietors with fatal consequences. Hmm. Anyways. So I'm going to just stop right there for a moment because I love the way that friends and families insist that they were clean, but they were in financial dire straits. But they had $32,000 in cash and they were buying apparently a summer home. Like, I'm not understanding why they're saying that, but okay. That's, that's clue number one for Nicole. Thank you. Another popular theory at the time was that it had been cold-blooded murder, pure and simple. I like this theory. One reason could be that Bobby Jameson had had a vicious, ongoing feud with his father, Bob Jameson, whom the family had apparently sued over property he was owed over after working at the family business. Bobby Jameson had apparently been owed half of the proceeds of the sale of a gas station that they co-owned and his father had reneged on the deal. When Bobby's father had twice threatened to kill them, the family had put into effect a protective order against him, and indeed it was because of these altercations that the family had installed the security camera at their house. Things had apparently come to a frightening head, and it was even rumored that Bob Jameson had ties with the Mexican Mafia. Sherilyn Jameson's mother, Connie Cocotin, would save the situation, and I quote, Sherilyn and Bobby were scared of Bob. 
He had a temper, and he had money. There were also rumors he had connections to the Mexican Mafia. That's what I've been told. End quote. Okay, I'm just going to stop here for a moment again and say that I've had more than one people in my sphere of influence who have said that they have ties to the Mexican Mafia. Yeah, not so much. Anyways, a lot of people like to pump themselves up, and it sounds to me like Bobby's dad is kind of a dick, but, you know, I, I won't pass judgment. Maybe he's a nice guy and he just fell into some problems. All right. Although Bobby Jameson's father, Bob, had an alibi in that he had been sick and hospitalized at the time of the disappearances, could this grudge have been behind the killing somehow? Had Bob Jameson put out a hit on his own son and his family? Bob Jameson was never considered a serious suspect or even questioned in any great depth, so it's really hard to say. Other theories pointing to murder are that the family was killed by white supremacists linked to another man with a grudge whom Sherilyn had threatened one time with a gun. In the incident, a man who had been renting a room with the family began slinging racial epithets and insults at the woman who, by the way, was part Native American. Sherilyn had taken a pistol and ordered him off of the property, and this was seen as enough motive for the police to actually go and apprehend him for questioning, seemingly a break in the case and the first real suspect. However, in the end, the man's alibi held up and he was released. Whoever was behind it, the mother of Sherilyn Jameson, insisted that it was certainly murder, stating, and I quote, There's no way they just wandered off and got lost. What I truly believe is that they went up there, saw something they shouldn't, and were murdered by someone. Who that was, I just don't know. The way their truck was left, it looks like it had been forced to stop by someone. Everyone round here knows there are lots of evil people up in those mountains. It's where outlaws like Jesse James used to hide out. It's so isolated, I'm scared to go up there. End of quote. Wasn't Jesse James in California? I'm just saying. Anyways, it has also been suggested that the deaths may not have been caused by outsiders, but were actually the result of a murder-suicide within the family. There is certainly circumstantial evidence pointing to this, as both of the adult Jamesons had at various times suffered from severe depression, an issue which was only intensified with the freak tragic death of Sherilyn's sister Martha from a bee sting on the tongue, as well as the constant pain Bobby was in due to a traffic accident he had been, been in. Further supporting this was an 11-page hateful letter written by Sherilyn directed at her husband who was found in the car and a 22 caliber pistol which the family had kept in the truck was missing. A coroner had also claimed to have found a small hole in the back of Bobby Jameson's skull, suggesting he was shot, but whether this was caused by a bullet or something else still remains unknown. So, did Sherilyn murder her family and then kill herself? Considering the other bodies had no such holes and the twenty-two was never found, it seems like maybe not, and we're probably not going to know for sure. The family of the victims, for their part, insists that the Jamesons were a loving family, devoted to each other, and none of them would have ever done such an evil thing. 
except for, you know, Bobby's dad, who apparently would kill them. Okay. Again, clue number two for Nicole. (laughs) Further information that would come up pointed to stranger possibilities. And this is where the story takes a turn for the truly bizarre and right up my wheelhouse, right? Entering the realm of witchcraft, the occult, and the paranormal. Hold on to your hats, folks. The Jameson family pastor, Gary Brandon, came forward with many odd statements concerning the family. He claimed that in the days leading up to the disappearance, the family had told him that they believed their house to be haunted and that they were involved in what he referred to as spiritual warfare. Oh, you gotta love it when the house is haunted. Yes. The family had apparently frantically claimed that they had made contact with the spirits of a dead family in their house and that their daughter, Madison, had been regularly talking with the ghost family's child. Two of the ghosts were allegedly called Emily and Michael, and one of them was reported to have wings like an angel. According to these claims, Bobby Jameson had become so upset by the hauntings that he had specifically requested special bullets with which to shoot the intruding entities, and his wife, Sherilyn, had begun to investigate whether the house was built on an old Indian burial ground. Okay. Let's break that down. What kind of fucking special bullets do you have that can shoot a ghost? Okay. I'm just going to leave that one there for a moment. And if your home was built on an old Indian burial ground, don't you think that you might have had some problems right when you moved in? I'm just like, I've seen the movie Piltergeist, and I'm sorry, but that shit started pretty fast. I'm just saying. Okay, that's going to be clue number three, clue number four for Nicole. Sorry. A so-called satanic Bible had been supposedly obtained in order to rid the house of the presences, and this is somewhat backed up by the finding of a witch's Bible within the house. Okay, gonna stop there. (laughs) Oh my God. Like, first of all, how does a satanic Bible get rid of ghosts? Hmm. Now, we've all heard enough of my stories to know that if you exercise a demon or a presence in the home, that it has to be a holy Bible, not a satanic Bible. So, I'm not buying that. And a witch's Bible? Okay, first of all, if they're an actual witch, that would mean that they're pagan, which means that they don't actually have a Bible because they don't believe in heaven and hell. So... That doesn't make any sense. So what are you talking about with a witch's Bible? Are you talking about like their their book of spells or their book of shadows? Because that doesn't make any sense either. Anyways, I think I'm up to clue seven now. (laughs) It's like seriously, this is the most bizarre story ever. Anyways, so this certainly puts a decidedly bizarre slant on a cryptic message that had been found by investigators on the Jameson family property. It was scrawled on the side of a storage container where the following mysterious words were found. Three cats killed to date by people in this area. 
witches don't like their black cat killed. And by the way, if you saw how it was written, by was not B-Y, it was B-U-Y. And um, the don't like their, and that was T-H-E-R-E, which by the way, as a grammar Nazi myself, and a former member of the um, grammar police, oh my god, learn to spell people. Okay. Police never figured out just who had written the ominous message. Adding to all of this bizarreness is the fact that it was claimed that a friend of Sherilyn Jameson was a, you guessed it, witch, and that several of the family's cats had been poisoned by neighbors. Apparently, belief in spirits and witches was rampant around the Jameson household. Sherilyn Jameson's best friend, Nikki Shenold, would go on to claim, and I quote, Sherilyn was interested in witches. We both were. Years before, we bought matching witches' Bibles. We put them on our coffee tables as a bit of a joke. That's what the police found. But in all seriousness, that house was haunted. I don't want to sound crazy, but whatever. But whenever I went there, I felt a horrible presence. I would leave feeling so down and depressed, it's hard to describe. Once, I was in the living room, and this sort of gray mist descended down the stairs. It really scared me. She told me on a couple of occasions, Bobby, who was such a gentleman, would suddenly come at her, and his eyes would be completely dead and black like he was possessed. Sherilyn would leave notes around the house saying, get out Satan and stuff like that. It was her way of dealing with things. End quote. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. Like, first off, anytime somebody says, I don't want to sound crazy, I immediately go, but you do. Um, yeah. Like, okay, First of all, back to the witch's Bible. Um, I'm not sure what you're talking about there. Okay. And why would you buy them and put them on your coffee table as a joke? Because, okay, that's just stupid and you should be slapped. And you, f you went into the home and you felt a horrible presence. What presence would that be? And did you say something about it? You left feeling down and depressed. It's hard to describe. I, first off, already I think you have mental issues. <laughs> like, um, and there's nothing in this entire story that tells me that Bobby was such a gentle man. In fact, from what I understand, he really wasn't. He was not a very nice guy. But, you know, whatever. And why would you just leave notes around the house like post-it notes? Is that what you're talking about? Like, get out Satan? Like you're breaking up with Satan on a post-it note. Is that what you're saying? Oh my god. Seriously, with these people. Anyways. Anyways, this all takes the case further down the rabbit hole of weird and, well, stupid. And to top it all off, Sherilyn's mother later went on to state that she believed that her daughter had been the target of some sort of cult and had ended up on their hit list. Okay, you know what? I'm tired of stopping. I'm just going to get through this because seriously, this is like the craziest story ever. At the time, she would not elaborate on which cult it could be or exactly why her daughter was being targeted, but she did say that several major cults were operating the remote out in the remote mountains there. Um, okay. 
It's a claim that's somewhat bolstered by an article on cult activities in the newspaper The Oklahoman in 1993, around the same time as the whole David Koresh and the Branch Davidian cult compound near Waco, Texas affair, in which a U.S. Marshal stated that some cults have found a home in eastern Oklahoma and some of them are extreme. Hmm. Now, this all puts a somewhat sinister spin on the security camera footage of the doomed couple in a trance before vanishing, with some claiming the strange behavior displayed could have been due to some sort of spiritual possession or the influence of some occult spell. What were they under the influence of in that footage, exactly? Was it drugs or maybe something else, something more? No one's been able to come to a concrete conclusion, and it remains just one weirder piece of that puzzle. Somehow, I think the puzzle's complete, and we have a couple of extra pieces. Anyways, the weirdness of the case just doesn't stop there. No. We're back to Sherilyn's best friend, Nikki, the crazy person, claimed that she was contacted by an anonymous woman who claimed that Sherilyn had been involved with a cult called the United White Knights, who had vowed to kill her. Okay, I'm going to stop there for a moment. I know I said I wasn't going to do it, but first off, why would somebody contact the best friend and not the mom or, you know, the family? And why does she need to be an anonymous woman? Okay, because if she wants to come forward, why not come forward? And if Sherilyn was part Native American, I'm going to say that, sorry, United White Knight sounds like a KKK meeting to me. I'm not stupid, but I'm starting to think th that this chick Nikki is. Anyways. Making the claim spookier was the talk of an abandoned wreck of a car found near the Jameson vehicle, which had long been used for shooting practice and for the writing of various venomous satanic messages scrawled all over it, over which Sherilyn had allegedly written messages such as, God loves you and peace. So first off, I'm going to say, how if this car is abandoned? Do they know that Sherilyn was the one that wrote it, other than maybe Nikki was with her and they were high? Because I'm thinking that they were. <laughs> Anyways. Although the anonymous tipster seemed to be saying empty threats at the time, Nikki would speak of strange occurrences which happened in the aftermath of these messages, saying, and I quote, Seriously. I went up to those mountains about a year later, and near where the bodies were found, there was a line of cars parked with Texas license plates. When we got near the actual spot, there were a couple of gunshots. They sounded like warning shots to me. I don't scare easily, but that place really freaks me out. There's something not right about it. End quote. Okay. One... Nikki, you're full of shit because you, you do scare easily. Because seriously, I'm guessing if somebody goes, boo, you piss your pants. I'm just saying. Second, why, if you're in Oklahoma, do all the cars have Texas license plates? Like, I know Oklahoma and Texas has this, like, you know, east side, west side rap battle going on. Because I grew up in Texas, okay? But seriously, like, okay, fuck you. Whatever. And if you don't scare easily, then why would the place really freak you out? Because I'm not buying anything that you said. So far, you're speaking about strange occurrences that happened in the aftermath of the messages. Okay, whatever. 
Okay. I'm sorry. Getting back to the story. Another odd finding is the final photo of Madison found on Bobby Jameson's cell phone, which appears to have been taken up in the mountains on the day of the disappearances. In the photo, Madison appears to be looking away from the camera with an unhappy look on her face and her arms crossed. Sherilyn's mother has insisted that Madison love to have her photo taken, and if things had been normal, she would not have looked like that. Okay, so I'm going to say, first of all, she's six. Okay, and I don't know about you, but the two words that come to mind are temper tantrum. Because she's six, she's an only child, and I'm guessing she wasn't getting her way. Okay, so I'm going to say that I don't find that particular information helpful at all. But I do want to know what was going on in that photograph. I mean, is there any clue that we can gain from it? But so far, nothing. It only breeds more questions. Now, this is all strange enough on its own. But let's consider this case's possible link with yet even more strangeness. Yes, because there's more. All of this has a certain spooky synchronicity with the phenomenon known as the 35th degree latitude, or as some have dubbed it, the line of tragedy. It's known along the 35th degree latitude, there is a whole string of brutal murders that have occurred, including the shocking case of Andrea Pia Kennedy Yates, a Houston woman suffering from postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis, who on June 20th of 2001 murdered all five of her children by, you guessed it, drowning them in a bathtub. Another famous murder that occurred along this line was the horrific murder of Pastor Carol Daniels, whose mutilated corpse was found propped up behind the church altar in a crucifix position, a murder that was widely believed to be tied to satanic activity. At the time, it was such a sadistic and brutal crime that District Attorney Brett Burns and several law enforcement officers involved with the case said it was the most horrible crime that they had ever seen. The 35th degree latitude was also where Timothy McVeigh carried out the bombing of the Alfred P. Murrow Federal Building in Oklahoma, which killed 168 people and injured nearly 700 others. So... Where did the Jamesons disappear? You guessed it, the 35th degree latitude. Interesting, right? Now we're getting to the meat and the potatoes. In addition to these murders, another disappearance eerily similar to that of the Jameson family and occurring along the 35th degree latitude as well was the mysterious vanishing of Tommy Raymond Estep. After visiting Eufaula, which you may recognize as the very same town where the Jameson family had been living, he proceeded to disappear, and police would later find his abandoned truck at a highway crossroads near Wetumpka, Oklahoma, guess where, lying on the 35th degree north latitude. The case most certainly echoes the Jameson disappearances, and the other links does make it rather odd. Is this all mere coincidence, or is there something more sinister at work? The Jameson case has never been solved, 
and with no new leads and no further suspects or evidence, it is a cold case that with all the strangeness surrounding it has gone on to become one of the most perplexing and bizarre in U.S. history. It is still not known why they disappeared, if there was any foul play involved at all, or even how they died. The case remains a total enigma. What happened to the Jamesons? Did they just get lost and die from the elements not three miles from their vehicle? Was this murder perhaps the result of a vendetta against them? Were they murdered by a cult or drug dealers? Yeah, I said I wasn't going to do the voice again, but you know what? I like the voice, so get over it. Hopefully you like the voice too. Or were there other mysterious forces beyond our comprehension at work here? These are questions to which the answers remain in the murk, beyond our abilities to find an answer. We can only wonder and hope that maybe at some point we will get some new shred of evidence to cast light into the shadows surrounding the case. Until then, it seems the case of the Jameson family death's murder mystery tour will remain just as inscrutable and confounding as it always has been. And with that, my darlings, we've come to the end of our episode. I thank you for joining me here today. I hope you'll take some time to reach out to me, share your thoughts on what you think and how crazy you think their friends are. You can always reach me and the show at darkenigmapodcast at gmail.com. And if you have a suggestion for a future show, you just want to tell me what you think, you're bored and you need somebody to talk to, drop me a line because I do reply to every single email. And on that note, all the time I have for you this evening. I thank you for joining me here on Renegade Talk Radio and don't forget to tune in next time, my darlings. See you, my heathens. I love you. We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.